Thank you for joining Pragmatic Podcast with Pipo. I've got a very, very important guest and topic tonight. Um, it's been a while since I published an episode. It's been quite busy, but I appreciate you reaching out um, and listening uh, to all the uh, prior recordings and giving feedback. It's been quite the journey, and I'm glad to see that it's reaching people all over the world. Tonight, I've, like I said, I've got a very special guest, a friend of mine known as Detroit. Um, we're going to talk about the Black experience in the world, but I'm going to start with a very specific incident that um, I personally experienced. And uh, hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll be the voice to the voiceless. And um, certainly our voice, our loud voices have been taken away, if you will. Um, so with that said, uh, my brother Detroit, you on, uh, you on with me? I am, sir. Good evening. Good evening. And thank you so much for those of you that uh, don't know. Me and this gentleman are, um, we're as tight as could be. Uh, we're brothers, we go way back. Uh, this is one of the most humble, dedicated, faithful human beings that I know. Um, and I just can't say enough about him. And I felt that for this episode, I wouldn't wanna have anybody else but him to join and kind of, you know, as I mentioned before, this is uh, unscripted. We're going to talk straight from our hearts and uh, we're going to just talk facts. And uh, hopefully these small conversations here and there about big topics will some way, somehow, help bring about change. And uh, with that said, how you been, my brother? You doing all right? I'm holding on, trusting in God, and um, believing that brothers like you and people who, th who think like us and are aware will continue to let others know that uh, there's injustice in this world, and mm. uh, we stick together, band together, and let our voices be heard because it's hard out here and they're making it even harder the conditions of the uh the oppressor those who um look down on us uh try to change the game as far as uh us having legacy wealth and being able to provide for our families um it's hard but we're we're faithful and we uh we are we're we're blessed to be in this with others who think like us so and you, uh, you have always been and always will be my friend, my brother, and someone I think uh, the utmost about. So, Well, I, I appreciate you. Uh, thank you for your continued friendship and uh, for your kind words. And uh, for those of, uh, uh, on, you know, listening or they'll listen later on, um, anything you want to share about your life, you know, what, what you've done in the past, uh, whether it be professionally or anything of that sort, 
I'm going to leave it to you. I'm not going to introduce you. Like I said, I don't script this. So whatever you feel like sharing, I know this is not going to be about you and I, um, but just so that people have an understanding of who Detroit is. Right. Um, uh, tell them a little bit about yourself. I sure will. I am a, a black man who uh, enlisted in the army. I served in Desert Storm. Um, um, an, maybe an unjust war or uh, just however you seem to, however you want to... Um, uh, put it together in your own mind. I got out um, the military. Um, I'm 100% disabled now. I have twin boys, three sons. Um, and I was um, um, my sons were involved in an incident back in um, 2017 where they were coming out of uh, coming home from a house party and a white police officer fired a rifle into a vehicle. Um, it was my twin sons at the time were 15 and their um, friend, some of you might know his uh, name was Jordan Edwards mm. um, and his two brothers uh, were in the car and they struck Jordan Edwards. He was 14 at the time and was uh, was killed. He was hit in the head, shot in the head with a, um, uh, the rifle blast. And so we went through that ordeal where a cop claimed his life was in danger. So he fired a rifle into a, a, a vehicle moving away from him and murdered a young boy, murdered. Um, they they tried to um, discredit, defame, um, malign all, all the young men. Um, the cop had a history of uh, aggressive behavior. Um, and this is playing out more and more in our communities where those who are policing us, there's no longer the, the uh, protect and serve is kill, uh, lie, and um, I guess they believe it's some sort of a power play on their part to uh, keep us in line. Disclaimer, it's not all, but it seems to be a great many um, because the injustice anywhere is injustice everywhere. And those who are in power choose not to speak up and continue to allow this because every day on the news, it can't always be black people getting killed. It can't, it just, it's unfathomable. White cop shoots a black boy, black young man. How is this? If you're afraid to be a cop, don't be a cop. Why, why would you put yourself in a situation where your whole thing is, I just want to make it home to my family. They holler that all the time. I'm so tired of hearing that. Mm. Get you another job. Get you something uh, uh, that, that you are comfortable with and you will not destroy lives of young people, families, 
people that you obviously do not value as humans because for you to take a life, and I was in the military, for you to take a life, you've got, that you have to value a life. And that's the last thing you want to do is, is, is shoot somebody. And then shoot them running away is always and is always they're, they're afraid. I thought this was a, a taser. It, it don't feel like a taser. It's not the same. Uh, uh, um, uh, doesn't feel the same. It doesn't weigh the same. It's not the same. But they come up with all kinds of excuses and they give them this uh, 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 immunity to be prosecuted. Really? So they think that's okay. And then like Doc Rivers said, we keep loving a country that don't love black. Mm. Don't love us back, don't love black. Cause you're showing us. It, it's, it's, it's troubling. And then they cloak themselves in, you don't love America. It, it, we, we go back to uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick when he knelt down was kneeling as un-American. I fought so he could do that. It's a legal protest. It's just they change the rules of everything to benefit them. When we protest, it's a problem. That's part of that's in the Constitution. We're supposed to be able to have um, um, protests. We can, as long as we're not uh, 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 destroying things. But they don't want you to do that anymore. If it's not if it if it's not uh, 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 January the sixth, they tearing up the, the the country, destroying things. Unlike us, who if we've thought about it long and hard enough, we are old, a lot, and maybe that's what it's all boiling down. They fear that if we thought about it, and we came together, and just and ceased this this destruction of us. That they would they would have to pay a mighty price. Mm. Maybe I got off on a tangent there, but it's just so. No, no, no. Go ahead. And 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 being I am middle aged, and I fear that a lot of us young black women and men are not even going to get the opportunity to get where I'm at. I mean, between the economics, between the the uh, uh, the sheer. Um, the mental issue now, I mean, the mental depression and then trying to stay uh, sane and trying to stay um, righteous and unrighteous realities is difficult. Mm. And we need we need prayers from from people and we need action from us because the voiceless man, we, we got to we got to want to be better, even though they try to make us less than. Mm. Continuously by the laws they enact, by by the little uh, uh, dog whistles that they they they, they send out, um, and vote they change the voter registration. You can't. They don't want to make it easy for you to vote because they know the sheer numbers. We'd win. Not saying that the political party that that's in power now is any better. But my God, the, the changing of the rules, we have to play within this, the framework that we have. And every time it appears as though change of, or at least we, we realize that where the, the numbers are in our favor, those who are uh, uh, disenfranchised, those who are uh, 
um, set the set aside people. We come together, they change the rules. Now we're going to do something different. Now we're going to take this away from you. It's always a takeaway. It's never a give. It's never something that they say, well, listen, this will, we're only as strong as the weakest among us. So we're going to do this to better us. It's always a takeaway. Yes, sir. Now, I want to rewind a little bit. First of all, um, though I know the story even deeper uh, than what you shared, um, it just it breaks my heart every time I hear it, every time I think about your children, what they've gone through, the trauma. Uh, Jordan Edwards, uh, uh, I mean, I still, you know, see his image, right, that they play, uh, that they continue to show in the media. And uh, he was a kid. He was a baby, you know, and to that narrative of, uh, you know, were any of these kids being disrespectful? Were they causing any issues? I believe it's been well established, right, through the courts that they did not cause their own harm their own demise am i correct that is correct that's absolutely and, you know I, I you always hear this type of you know news and i remember seeing you as close as you and i are i remember you didn't even bring it up until i actually saw you on the news if you recall a few yeah. years back and your strength is something I've always admired. Um, but even as strong as you are, I can't even begin to imagine you having to counsel or take care of your children post that trauma. And all I can say is I stand with you. I pray with you. That's basically it. There's nothing. That's when you know how powerless we are as human beings. Is that you can't undo something like that. Mm -hmm. You can't undo trauma. And I know you've raised your kids well. You know, you've got an older kid. I remember talking about when he was in college and uh, your service. Thank you for your service. And you're absolutely right. Uh, the reason... Um, we're able to, we're afforded some of these freedoms. Uh, you know, I kind of hesitate to say that because it's not applied equally, but okay. it's because of your sacrifice. And, um, you know, I commend you for being the man that you are, even after what you've seen, what you've gone through and um, sharing your story, because all this does is uplift the next family. But more importantly, protect those that have yet to experience such trauma. Um, so how are your kids doing? Um, we don't have to get deep into it, but you know, are, you know, are, are they okay? Uh, how are they doing as, you know, just. They, they are, the, um, as with uh, most of um, our people, um, mentally we we want to be well we wanted to always think that we're in control and mm -hmm. um they are coping with uh 
with the, um, the aftermath of things um, the best they can. I think they're twins, so it makes it easier for them to mm. uh, um, lean on each other. But they, uh, they're different. They've changed um, um, from that incident, and they're doing um, what the generation does now as far as having coping me mechanisms, whether I agree with them or not. But, I, I mean, I, I could never be their age and I was in war and and I've saw I've seen things be their age and and, and um deal with it the way that they are. So I have to um allow them to process it and as they get older we, we're still doing a the therapy but let them find their way because I I can even imagine going through something like that at at their age. So and thank you for asking. I really appreciate that. Oh, my, my pleasure. And, you know, just to put in perspective for the listeners, we're talking about, they were 15 at the time, correct? That's correct. 15-year-old kids in a car, sitting in the same car, and this happens. That's correct. Their friend, their peer, shot in the head with a shotgun. So to those of you listening, <laughs> this is a powerful moment because this is not something you're reading on the newspaper or you watch on some cable news channel. This is an actual family that lost a child children that's lost a friend and this is the type of trauma that a black family experiences and has to live with um whether it be tamir rice rayvon martin john crawford the third albeit he was an adult he was buying a toy for his children and i'll use his incident at a Walmart to kind of segue into the incident that I mentioned earlier. My brother, you know this story. Um, so bear with me as I try to gather words to do it justice. But um, I was at a store walking in. I grab a cart and as I'm walking clear across the other side, I realized this cart uh, was extremely dirty and I thought I'd get another. So I walk back out through the other entrance and on my way out, I see these young black boys and I, I call them boys because they were kids. I, I would guess maybe 15. Uh, I walk out, I grab a cart, I come back in, and I notice this man, an adult, maybe in his 40s, 50s, he glances at me, and I noticed he's slowly pacing, and he was looking outside, almost as though he was looking towards the boys, because I think one or two of them had walked back out. So I go in, um, I ask an employee, 
you know, for some information to grab some of the things I needed. And it just happened. The items were way back in the store and I journey out that way. And as I'm in the small aisles, I hear what appeared to be a young male saying, excuse me, sir, repeatedly. And as I look up the aisle, I notice it's one of the kids that I had seen earlier. And he's clearly trying to get someone's attention, calling that individual that I haven't seen yet, sir. So I thought he was looking for something, but I, I mean, I just, I can hear him. And um, I heard him saying, no, I don't believe you. You were following us, sir. Were you following us, sir? Repeatedly. But I can't hear the other person responding back. So I look up the aisle again and I see another young kid, just fear in his eyes. So I kind of nodded my head towards the kid to assure him I didn't know what was going on. And I pull up and it's that man that I saw near the door that glanced at me. He had on khakis, a maroon shirt, t-shirt. No name tag, badge or anything. So could he be a predator? And he's the reason I couldn't hear him was because he was whispering back, even as I'm looking at him, he's whispering back to the kid, then why are you worried? Why are you worried? Don't worry about it. So I see one of the other kids walk up and I'm like, oh, the, something bad is going to happen, right? Uh, and I tell the other kid, hey, I, I, I got you. I got you. Just, just hold tight. You know, and he, was, he said to me, um, okay, but sir, he was following us. I said, I hear you. I hear you. Just hold tight. Because first thing I'm thinking about is if they approach him, all of them, what if he does something? And at the same moment, I'm thinking, given the other gentleman, the adult, benefit of the doubt, by the way, he's not black. They are. And I thought to myself, if they had done something illegal, they would have called the cops. If they had done something illegal before, as soon as they walked in, he wouldn't be following them all the way to the back. And this is a fairly large store. So the other kid that's trying to, you know, kind of arguing, um, turns back around and he looks at me. And I give him some reassurance and I tell him, you know, I, I got you, young brother. Just keep walking, you know, just making sure that they walk away, they're safe. Um, because a lot of times if police are called, they're looking for witnesses. And if this individual at this point, I don't know who he is, if he's called as a witness, it's going to be one of those stories we always hear. I mean, shall I refer y'all back to the Central Park Five? <laughs> you know, things like this happen. They were accused of a brutal, brutal crime and were incarcerated.
And for those that don't know about the Central Park Five, read up on it. Because the former president, actually as a New Yorker, took out a full-page ad. I believe he paid seventy or $80,000 to ensure that they were arrested. And turns out, they didn't even commit the crime. So as I see these kids, thoughts like that are running through my mind. But I hate the fact that we've become numb to this. Right. How many times have we seen this, heard about it? And we just, what, become the bigger person, right? <laughs> Don't fit that stereotype that people try to pin on you. In any case, the kids walked away. And this man approaches me smiling because he sees an adult now. And he says to me in a very low voice, oh, I work here, I work here, like it's okay to stalk children. He has no authority over them, period. He's stalking them. And I respond to him, I know. I, I saw you by the door. And I'm not whispering like he is. I want people to hear. There's no reason why he should whisper. And his justification was, oh, they come here a lot. At this point, I'm disgusted, trying to keep my cool. I shake my head, look back, make sure they're gone, the kids, and I walk away. He tries to engage me in a conversation. Not going to happen. But my thought is, what made them stand out? Because, like I said, if they had done something before, again, he would have called the cops right there from the front. They, they're probably in the store. If they had done something then, he would have called the cops. So that tells me they didn't do anything. But what made them stand out? Ah, they're black in a white neighborhood. Oh, I probably should share this with you at that same store. And I purposely held off on this. I had complained twice within two weeks. The first time I can get a hold of the store general manager. They said he was on vacation. The second time he was there talking to a salesperson. Because I was asked for a receipt for no reason. They have cameras. They know I've paid for my stuff. No one else was asked. And I remember asking the store manager. I said, when you see me, I said, what do you see? And he's a Caucasian male. And he says, I see a paying customer. I said, absolutely. I said, now I want you to look at my receipt. He goes, sir, I'm not going to look at your receipt. You're good. I said, no. Your employee asked me for my receipt. 
And then when I questioned her, she said, don't worry, we have cameras. So I want you to look at my receipt. And he did. I said, is it paid for? He said, yeah. Why am I the only one that was asked? What's different about me? Mm -hmm. This was maybe a couple of years before. And I remember telling him, I said, in about two weeks, this has happened to me. Not by a manager, not by you, not by a police officer. Just by an employee. So, so this tells me it's a culture. You expect someone that looks like me to steal. How many times have you gone to a restaurant and they refer to others as sir and you as bro, as though it's supposed to make you feel comfortable? So going back to the story, this is not just an isolated incident. You can tell me a million more. You and I have talked about this before. But we took it up a notch because you actually have a very tragic story. And you're a man that served this country. You're an honorable man. As are you. I know you. And you've had to experience such tragedy. Now, just to kind of give the listeners a visual, right? My friend Detroit here, <laughs> if I could share a picture of him, this is not a man you'd look at and go, not that we should judge anyone by how they are dressed, but this man is dressed to a T. His socks, <laughs> his shoes, his suits. Always clean shaven. Served the country. Hmm. He serves his church, his community. He's so humble, he hasn't listed all his accolades. But yet, he's not shielded. His children are not shielded. We are not shielded. Why are we having this conversation? I titled the show, The Black, the Black Experience. The African-American Experience. Men, women, and children, we continue to see these tragedies play out. I'm not going to say when is it going to stop. It won't. But we have to speak up. Politicians are not going to speak up for you. Mm -hmm. We have to speak up. You've heard me talk about autism and other, you know, disabilities and, you know, equity, equality. When people say all lives matter, but that all 
only means a certain few. When the Constitution says all men are created equal and that all the word man should have evolved by now, right? Right. And I don't think it has. We had a black president and dare I say things have gotten worse after his election. It seems to have brought a level of hate that I hadn't seen before. Should have been a step forward. It seemed like a step, several steps backwards. So at some point, right, we have to have enough voices. We can't look for an icon. We can't continue to quote the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. That's right. We can't have someone that speaks on behalf of millions. We all have to raise our voices. These children, were we supposed to watch on the news that, hey, three black kids were killed? And what happens? We just turn the page, right? We hear about drugs in the hood. Okay, drugs ain't making it there, you know, just out the blue. Who's funding this? Why is it that certain parts of a major city in a same school district, the schools look like they're in a third world country, and then you go to a better part of that town, and you know what I'm talking about, Detroit. Yes, I do. Speaking of Detroit, you go to Flint, Michigan, mm-hmm. where it's predominantly black. You've got lead in the water in the United States of America. Wow. Children, black kids getting deathly ill. Yep. You, <laughs> you go to any part of the world, Ukraine, right? During the war, black students, university students trying to leave and trains were told, no, you cannot. There's video evidence. Again, what made them stand out? What made them look different? They were black. Again, a person's education should not matter. A person's, maybe when you're hiring them, right? Um, you want a doctor that's gone to medical school. Okay. But you shouldn't judge a person by their skin color, rather their character. So this has gone on for decades. And what does it take not to stop it? What does it take to have many voices speak about it. Mm. Now, this is a hard pill to swallow, but at the end of the day, we got to look internally and see what, what we can do 
to speak up, to come forth and protect one another. Who's going to protect your home before you call law enforcement? You got to make sure your doors are locked, right? You got to make sure you have whatever it is, a security system or cameras, whatever it takes, right? You got to secure your own home. You got to know to take out your wallet from the car with you. So similarly, we have to be proactive. Detroit. That's right. Preach. That's exactly right. Now, let me hand the mic back to you, you know, and let some of your wisdom, you know, before we let our listeners go, um, you know, I, I, I want you to share some of your wisdom and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll close it out. But um, I really thank you for, again, using your experience, your service, what you do every day to speak to the world and hopefully humanize these experiences. Because some people may have, you know, read about that young man. But now they're hearing it from an individual that actually lived through that trauma. And my hope is that we'll shake at least one person's core and say, you know what? I too am going to speak up for that other 15-year-old, for that 10-year-old. Remember that eight-year-old girl that got pepper sprayed at school? <laughs> You know, so at some point, right, how we, what we want the outcome to be, we have to be proactive and try to get as many voices to speak up. So my brother, Detroit, I'll let you close it out and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll pull up again, I'm sure, and uh, have a much deeper um, conversation. I applaud you for always being a man willing to speak up, um, never back down. I think as a people, we need to find others who are evenly yoked or they sharpen us. They require us to be our best. They do not settle. They do not uh, uh, turn and run when it's time to fight. Um, and it's not always about being a fist fight. It's about being um, mentally, financially, emotionally strategic in the way we conduct ourselves, respecting us, us first, and requiring others to always respect us. Um, um, change is going to come. I think we all know that song, but we have to mm -hmm. internalize it, um, value it, teach our kids it. Um, we we have to remain a family. Um, just like my brother here, we're, we're family. And I, I thank you for taking time to 
uh, invest in learning about us because we we're always growing and changing, um, evolving as we always should and uh, never um, minimalize, minimalizing us and uplifting us. And power to the people. Amen. Amen. And, you know, like I said, um, you know, I don't need the thanks or praise. This is us for us by us to ensure that we are safe and we are part of that all that, you know, people keep talking about. And um, it's my hope, whether it be in this generation, future generations, that the word all is truly inclusive. We hear the mantras, diversity and inclusion, but that's all they are, just words. We don't see it in action as it involves the black man, woman, and child. And that's in corporate America. That's in the streets. That's in the grocery stores. We need equality and equity. And we'll keep speaking about this. And eventually, even if the world refuses to hear, the future generations will be the voices, will be the Malcolms, will be the Martins. Mm -hmm. We'll have many Martins and Malcolms. And with that, I thank you once again for your courage, for your service, for your friendship and brotherhood. Yes, I do you, brother. Yes, sir. And uh, as you and I always say, iron sharps. Iron. There you go. God bless you. And bless to you. my listeners, thank you all for uh, listening. I will uh, republish this. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you, my brother. God bless. Good night. Good night.